you are stuck in the grind and don't know how to get moving, if you have lost your dream or struggled to know how to make it happen, if you have been dreaming of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Add Valued Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life with tools, knowledge, and support that will allow you to create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from the work they do so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it. It is possible. This show features interviews with people who have already created success in their lives and businesses and stories about everyday people living extraordinary lives. It's time for you to add value. My guest today, Donna Daytow, is a success catalyst. At least that's what her clients call her. She will help you get beyond realistic results. She helps you understand what you're truly capable of, and she shares all the formulas and tools for changing not just how you think, but what you think, because she knows that we become what we think about all day. Donna, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. And I'm just so looking forward to learning more about you and your journey and encouraging other entrepreneurs with your wisdom. Thank you for having me, Robert. This is an honor. Absolutely. So let's just start with um, your own entrepreneurial journey and how you transitioned to having your own company. Well, I had two other companies. I don't know if we talked about that yesterday. Have we ever uh, have we talked about that before? I, I think so. You're, you, you've done some consulting for, for nonprofits. and I and did that, things. yeah. But I had a renovation company and I had a catering company. And uh, that was a couple of decades ago. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> um, so, uh, really, it was one of my bosses. His name was Michael he recognized that I was an entrepreneur. I hadn't even stated it. And he, he's the one who said, you know, when you talk real estate and renovating your old Texas farmhouse, you know, your whole being lights up. Have you ever thought of having, you know, going into that kind of business? And I had never considered myself an entrepreneur. And when I started thinking about it, it just made sense. And I started getting excited about it and started a renovation business. And um, before then, well, anyway, um, but I did go back into nonprofits. I had gone back and forth between nonprofits and corporate America for about two decades. And I realized then the, real, the reason I had gone back and forth between those is when you're in a nonprofit at the executive level, you have to operate, you have to think and operate like an entrepreneur. So that's why I kept going back to nonprofits because that's what fell natural to me. So, it, you know, it was, it was a journey to discover the fact that I was an entrepreneur. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I definitely understand the, the nonprofit and, and that mindset and certainly I bet you do. Yeah. experienced, you know, years of, it satisfied my entrepreneurial itch for, for many years without realizing it. So yeah. definitely. How, how long had you been uh, in, in ministry? 20 years. Yeah. 20 so, years. Okay. And, you know, 10 of that was really um, the, laid the groundwork because I was coaching, uh, coaching Colombian pastors in the, 
in the areas of business and developing the business side of, of running a church. Um, and of course, raising my own support and, and, mm-hmm. you know, marketing myself for you know, doing, being able to continue doing that work. And so yeah. it very much laid the groundwork for um, being an entrepreneur. God, that what a great training ground. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, it definitely, you know, uh, taught me a lot and uh, yeah. prepared us for, you know, this next stage in, in our journey. So, yeah. so let's talk about um, connection and, and networking. Um, how has building a network been valuable to you? Um, I truly believe that's the cornerstone of everybody's business. I don't care what kind of business you're in. Um, I think if somebody is struggling finding a network group, I think BNI is a good place to, to train. Um, not everybody agrees with the format of BNI, and but <clears throat> you learn so much from other entrepreneurs when you're in BNI, and, and I'm, I'm not in BNI, so I'm not trying to plug BNI. It's just it's just a good training ground for for new entrepreneurs. Um, you learn how to uh, you get to practice your commercial, you know how you present yourself, what words you use, how you market yourself. And uh, you you get to make presentations, you know, longer presentations. So you get to practice that skill. And I just think it's just a really good, if not BNI, there's others, there's master networks, there's all, all kinds of, of networking groups. I do uh, suggest heavily to my clients that if they want a really serious network group with networking group with mature entrepreneurs to find a paid one. It doesn't have to be real expensive, but I've been involved with a lot of the, the free, you know, our networking is free and um, it's a revolving door. You know, it's, it's more difficult to form relationships that way. And when somebody pays to be in a networking group, they're going to stick around. And there's a lot of groups out there that maybe it's a hundred dollars a year, maybe it's two hundred and fifty dollars a year, you know, and and they'll take monthly payments. So I encourage my clients to find a paid group. But yeah, I, I do believe networking and making the connections through networking covers so many areas of an entrepreneur's education. Absolutely. What helped you make the most connections? Um. I believe it was visiting a lot of networking groups in the beginning. And, uh, I, and there are some really bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really bad ones. Uh, things to look for is um, if you're, if you're visiting a networking group and people's afterwards, they start pouncing on you, you know, and saying, I want to meet with you and I want to share with you my product or, you know, my service, blah, blah, blah. That's a red flag. Yeah. Because they're there to sell. They're not there to make connections into and form relationships. And as you, as you know, Robert, the foundation for everything in our business is forming relationships. Absolutely. And, and actually I think it goes beyond the relationship. I think it's forming friendships. 
I really think it's forming friendships and just stop thinking about it in terms of a, any kind of relationship. If you go into it with, I want this person to be my friend, or I'm going to find out if we can be friends. It's a lot different than just saying, I'm going to go into this one-to-one -one meeting or, you know, coffee or whatever, thinking that you're just forming any type of relationship. Absolutely. That's a very nice way to, to look at it. <clears throat> and certainly, you know, it goes much deeper than uh, I think that was a, a real wake up call. You know, my wife just had this recent medical incident and to Serious. see, Serious. To see <laughs> yes, ma'am, to yeah. see how many of my business network were willing to, to reach out and to support us and provide just, you know, love and encouragement um, was was priceless, but it also showed that that the network wasn't about making a sale. It, it's a network about, you know, having friends and and lasting relationships that, that we're going to do stuff together, yeah. regardless of whether we do business together. Yeah. I'm here for you no matter what. <laughs> Absolutely. And and that really that really emboldened me in 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 that we're doing the right thing right by by building the business the way that we've built it and making the relationships um some people would say oh it takes so much longer you know but but the truth is sometimes you don't you know the person you meet isn't prepared to do business with you right away or they're not prepared to give you a referral right away um but if you've honored the relationship when the right time comes or the right person comes into their circle they're going to say oh yeah i remember donna I'd met her a while back, but she's going to be a perfect coach for you. And let me introduce you. And um, that's so much more valuable. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and a lot of what we're talking about, it seems like are, are the basics, but we never can forget the basics. You, we, you know, we're, we're always in the basics, you know, you just don't conquer the basics and then leave them behind. You, you constantly develop them. And that KLT, that no like, and trust, that is, essential. It's just essential. Nobody's going to refer me or refer you to one of their friends if they don't like you and if they don't well, don't know you and they don't trust you. Yeah. Absolutely. So what, what helped you? I, I know that gratitude is, is a big part of your character and how, how has gratitude been beneficial? in in your personal growth and in the development of your business whoa whoa gratitude is i i think i can safely say robert it's the number one most important thing in not just my business but in my life um i didn't learn this uh 30 years ago, even 20 years ago. I, I learned this just a little while ago, just a few years ago. I've always been a positive person and I've always been thankful, but I wasn't consistent. I didn't know the consistent mindset of gratitude was as powerful as it is. So what I've learned, and you, you know this too, um, Gratitude along with love or, you know, in addition to love, those are the two highest states that we can be in vibrational wise, you know, if we want to raise our vibrational level. And so I start my day 
every morning, I, first of all, I get up early and I have my time, my, my quiet time. And the first thing I do is write out my gratitudes. That is, I will not miss that because that sets the day. It just sets the whole uh, mindset. It, it sets my heart. It sets my spirit, everything about me. It just, it, it helps me to greet the day. And I like to, I do, I don't stick to the numbers, but in general, I, I write out five gratitudes of things that I'm grateful for that I have. Like sometimes I, I'm grateful. I just live and work in Colorado. I'm so grateful for that because I'm from Texas and I hated Texas. <laughs> no uh, comment. <laughs> and so I write out the things like I'm just I'm grateful for an abundance of clean air and clean water and healthy food. Uh, but sometimes, you know, I'll get more specific and and I'm great. Sometimes I write out I am grateful. Of being grateful, that's it, just that. And then the next five or so that I write out are things that I'm grateful for that I know that are coming my way. So these are all tied into my goals. I call them the, the BHAGs, the big, hairy, audacious goal. And that's fantastic. Yeah. And when I um, express gratitude, it's also a, a way of expressing uh, of faith, of expressing faith that, you know, this is going to happen. Because if we don't have faith, it, that's a belief that something's going to happen, then it's just a wish. It's not a goal. Yeah. Did that, did that, did that uh, answer your question? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, I really, I really obviously am a grateful person and recognize how much gratefulness and love can, can change my vibrational frequency. And I, and I aspire to, you know, more understanding of unconditional love and, and being able to, uh, to, to just be at that higher level of vibration more, more time than I am now. And so definitely appreciate that. Um, let's talk about contribution. How has contribution been valuable in your journey? Um, I think that's another cornerstone. I believe that um, we have to learn how to give freely and we have to learn how to receive freely. And giving is giving back. Um, well, talk about raising your vibrational level. <laughs> if you want to really raise it, go volunteer somewhere and uh, see immediately the impact that you're making. You and I come from that world where we we lived in the nonprofit world and we could see each day the impact that we were making. A lot of people, they hear about volunteerism. And I mean, giving money, that's one thing. And giving money is great. And the more money we earn, the more that we can give to uh, the causes that are near and dear to our hearts. But there's nothing that replaces the actual being somewhere and doing something for somebody. The volunteer hours that I put in there, that's just hard to describe. I'm, in fact, after this podcast, I'm going to get on my tennis shoes and go out to uh, one of the networking groups I'm in is called She Leads. It's led by Beth Bowen. 
and uh, she has a project for, um, she collected, well, her goal was to collect a hundred purses and to stuff them with all kinds of toiletries for uh, shelters, women's shelters. She collected 250 this year. Fantastic. And so we're, we're going to meet at a women's shelter and we're going to distribute some of the purses. And then over the next few days, we're going to other shelters and distribute them. And there's just, I, I remember when I worked at Dress for Success, tears were just a part of going to work. I mean, that was just, we just knew that, well, this, we're probably going to cry today <laughs> because you, you can't help not but be touched when you see somebody's life impacted just right there in front of you. Yeah, but those are tears of, <laughs> yeah, those are tears of joy, right? Tears of satisfaction yeah. of of making a difference in, in somebody's life, yeah. um, which is which is really the foundation of entrepreneurship because the best entrepreneurs are the ones that are making the biggest difference in people's lives. If, if you can find that place where you can make the biggest difference, you'll have the largest impact and you'll be an uber successful entrepreneur. <laughs> um, yes. Come and, from a place of service. You, you, you were here to serve others. That's, absolutely. That's why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So fun. Um, and, and you and I, uh, you helped in one of my gratitude projects, one of my uh, contribution projects last year. Um, when I decided on my my birthday oh, to yeah. yeah to to bless to bless our our dinner server with this huge tip and I got uh, twenty of our friends that all helped contribute and we were able to give a server a five hundred dollar tip <laughs> and uh, she didn't believe it like she was like you know, she came back and of course she came back crying and 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 she's like this isn't for me right what do you mean and and yeah it's, it's a gift it's 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 just uh that was that was a lot of fun and uh, definitely plan to do that more often and 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 just uh you know what a way to change somebody's evening right like just uh change their life yeah absolutely so here's something you had no idea was coming to you tonight and and have a great night and and I can't wait till the time when I just leave $500 tips on a regular basis, right? <laughs> One of, um, well, two things about that. I had learned uh, a few years ago, my uh, uh, mentor, Bob Proctor, said, tip the bill. Tip the bill. And I thought about that one. Whoa. Because, you know, we go, we get takeout and it's like 30 bucks. No big deal. So you leave them $6 and that's what they expect. But watching them walk away, because, you know, that's one of the first things they do. They can, they see how much they get tipped. And I can't tell you how many times someone has turned around and it's usually a man and they're crying. <laughs> and one of the men said, you just fed, <clears throat> sorry, you just fed my cat for a month. <laughs> well that's unexpected <laughs> but he was crying because obviously he was not he did not know how he was going to feed his cat wow what a i mean that's that's a that's a struggle right that's where the struggle is real and i i love to tip the check um i wish i i said i could do it every single time um but i am i feel like i'm a generous tipper i tip as if my wife and i had drinks and we don't. And I tip as if, you know, every discount was still included in the price of the meal because the server, the server 
expects a meal to be a certain level, right? And they served us the same, whether they're serving us Coca-Cola and iced tea or they're serving drinks from the bar. Um, So I love to, to be, you know, my basis is, is a generous tipper and you have to, you have to serve pretty bad and have a really bad evening for me to even consider changing a tip because that's part of their salary. And I've had bad days at work and, and I've treated people poorly and I know that the biggest difference I can make in her day and for the rest of the people that person's going to serve the rest of the night is to make a wildly generous, outrageous tip. And I promise their attitude's going to be different for the rest of the people they serve. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Instead of doing the opposite and trying to punish them, yeah. you know, where, where all you end up doing is making them angry and making their evening even worse. And so, so yeah, I love, I love tipping big and I love um, sharing that you know with with people and and just like you said seeing the surprise on their faces sometimes we don't stay to see what how they react but um, I know that it, it can make a huge difference and it's sad to me to, to hear stories that, of the people that tip one penny or you know tip a dime um, and 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 try to punish a server for you know for bad service rather than reward them for the work that they're doing and, and try to encourage them to, to do a better job. Yeah. Um, I always think about, you know, what if I was working for tips in some of the jobs that I was doing, <laughs> you know? Oh, that's a good thought. <laughs> that's a real good thought. You know, that goes into um, leaving everyone with the impression of increase. Absolutely. Everyone, yeah. One of I, the one of the visualizations I use, uh, because it ties into my financial goal, is that I see myself walking across the lobby of a five-star hotel and having a wad of $100 bills and tipping everyone $100. That's one of the visualizations I use. That's fantastic. Yeah, and, and so much so much fun. Um, yeah, we left a $100 bill for a, a, a maid in, in the hotel one time, and the hotel called and tried to give it back to us. <laughs> <laughs> Which which That's is a huge sad. testimony to her to her character, but well, yes, but it's also uh, sad because it's so out of the ordinary. It should be ordinary. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and prior to that, I had never thought of tipping the the staff that does the cleaning in the hotel, and they're probably the ones that work the hardest. Oh yeah. In the hotel, yeah. and so yeah, so we've started doing that when we travel. Mm-hmm. Just uh, love being able to to bless people and. And look forward to blessing more and more people with our opportunities to travel and and serve and meet people. You mentioned Bob Proctor as a mentor, and what other ways have mentors helped you in your in your journey? Oh, that's a good question. In fact, in one of my networking groups this morning, that that uh, question came up. It was all about mentorship, and um, my first mentor was Patrick O'Shea a phenomenal man. I've never met anybody like that. And I haven't since he was just a, uh, well, I learned nearly everything I know about business from him, first of all. And I mean, from marketing to advertising to budgeting, I mean, you name it, it was just, he was, he was, and he was so free with his um, information. He didn't hold back. There was no ego involved, you know, Um, but the thing, Robert, that he could not teach me and mentor me on was what I call living from the inside out. 
He did not allow any outside circumstance to dictate how he was going to react or respond. Never. And I was in some pretty bad uh, negotiations with him in boardrooms where boardrooms where these other the people that he was negotiating with, they were attacking him personally and attacking his family and calling names. I mean, it was he never, ever allowed that to affect him. And he just kept right on. And I would get mad for him. I'd get really angry and we'd get back in the car and go, why did you let that person say, rah, 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 rah. Donna, why should I get angry? We were there for a purpose and I wanted to serve that purpose. And he never could teach me how to do that. But I did find out how. Nice. <laughs> Later. Yeah. What And I mean, talk about that higher level of character, right? That higher level of vibration. That's, that's it. That that's an example of what what it means to to have total dominion over you know over yourself, you know, and total responsibility to not allow outside conditions and circumstances um, to impact how you respond. And uh, yeah. I hope we all aspire you know to that level. Uh, you know, we often quote Viktor Frankl just because. You know, he experienced the worst of the worst in this wow. world, the, the greatest evils. And but he also used it as a teaching opportunity to say that we all have that opportunity between, you know, between stimulus and response. There's a space. And in that space, you know, we have the power to choose. Um, what what a great example of that. And and I think, yeah, it's it's also a maturity thing, right? You're at the lower levels, you know, your, your, your reaction is to, to defend yourself or to get upset and, and, and get angry and, and want to fight and, and you lose focus of the purpose. And so how good of him to show, look, that, that wasn't, that had nothing to do with the situation. We were here to do this. And, and this is what he, he focused on and, and not allow somebody else's words to, to manipulate him. And yeah, exactly. Um, there was, a. Um, I can't remember. Oh, I know. It was the book. Um, it's not about the money and it's by Bob Proctor. And he talks in there about how, unfortunately, we do not think about forgiveness in the workplace. Mm. And, I, you know, it really made me stop and think. And he he talked about how there is an issue. This, this could be a challenge, a problem. Somebody's upset or whatever. But what happens is all of this emotion gets collected around the issue. And so people start responding and reacting to the emotion, not to the issue. And when I could see that picture of, oh my God, that's it. So when you can take away all the emotion and just look at the issue, and he says that 5% of the problem, and, it's, and he was talking about the workplace, is 5% is the issue. 95% are the emotions that everybody has around that. And when I grasped that and learned it and started sharing it with my clients, they were like, oh, my God. And so they would call me and go, OK, this is just what happened. Do you think this is? I said, yep, that's the emotion that, you know, your staff was reacting emotionally and they forgot about the issue. And so just keep bringing it back to the issue. And it's been such a turning point for so many of my clients just for that one tip to extract all the emotion and just deal with the issue. 
Yeah, that forgiveness statement is so powerful. I I deal with my clients pretty early on in the process and and ask them, who do you need to forgive? And 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 of course their response is, what do you mean? I, you know, <laughs> all my all my business relationships are good. I'm like, no, no. Who do you need to forgive? Um, because there's some situation or or some place you're holding resentment or you're wanting revenge or you you've just got somebody's somebody has a string tied around your heart and and they're tugging on it no matter how long ago the incident was um, and you need to forgive so that you can cut that string and be free from from that yeah. and change the story that you tell yourself about what happened to you oh that's so important <laughs> that is so important and you know i think that's why wallace waddle says the internal work the work that we do in our minds and in our hearts that's the hardest work in the world because you know we're responsible for everything that goes on in here uh, <laughs> yeah and so and we're responsible for how we perceive our memories so we can take a memory and we can go oh well that was so it was such a yucky thing that they did you know we can just rehash it over and over and build up those, all those negative emotions or we can say okay it is what it is can't change it and then go a step further and just have no judgment on it whatsoever which means no judgment on ourselves that's that's the hard one of course and then extract all the good and i'm talking about a memory here we can do this with our memories you extract all the good and then you forgive all the rest let go of all the rest and when you can do that with your memories, it makes such a difference how that reframing of, of just releasing and forgiving and extracting all the good. Yeah. Oh, and, but it's so it's so empowering. It, it, oh, the, the fact that you can tell a different story. Yeah. You don't have to be a victim. Yeah. Our culture loves victims. And when we repeat victim stories over and over again, and, and I think our government and and other entities just encourage encourage victims uh, to continue being victims and be rewarded for being a victim. But the truth is, in as entrepreneurs especially, there's no room for you to be a victim. Mm -mm. You need to be responsible for your past. You need to be responsible for your present because that's the only way that you're going to have the right tools to to set the tone to manifest your future. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that forgiveness is is so powerful. Um, and when and when clients experience it, they have so much freedom to to move forward. In fact, it, it frees up so much of their mind and their heart that they have this whole empty space they can fill up with the future. Um, yeah. And it's so exciting to see. And obviously, you know that from, from working with your clients. It's, it's a weight off, you know, it, you didn't even realize the weight is there. And then once you've you've released and you've forgiven, then you go, Wow. It's, it happens every single time. And it's, it happens to me too, because they'll come up with, uh, you know, my, my, my paradigms, those little head trash things, they kind of cluster memories together, similar memories. And look, I've made a big case against you, Donna. And if I dissect all that and it takes time and it takes energy to do that. And when I first started doing this, Robert, it was exhausting. <laughs> It was real mentally exhausting. I'm getting better at it. And I'm hoping that every, every week that goes by, I get better and better, but the freedom and that weight, it's like, Oh, 
wow, there's not, there is just, it's a great feeling. It's well, and I think it empowers the memories that you make today because the story that you tell yourself each day becomes not just more and more positive, but actually matches that. It, yeah. It's a lot cleaner. You're yeah. not holding on to, to stuff you can't control. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, everything we're doing today is helping us create our future moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. All the fra framework. Yeah. So, so let's talk about your niche. How did you choose your niche? Well, my niche has changed. <laughs> Somebody asked me a few <laughs> weeks ago. He's, he's. I've been a coach for twelve years. He, I think he said he had been a coach for three and a half years, and he said, "What is the one thing that you can tell me that served you the most?" Now, that's a hard question to to answer. But one of the things that popped into my mind was just having the ability and the openness to accept change and to substitute different, maybe different modalities or different ways of coaching. Because I started out coaching in nonprofits. I was like you. I kind of laid the foundation while I was in a nonprofit. To, I was coaching uh, other executive directors and I was coaching our clients. Then I, I started coaching nonprofits. Ugh, hated that. <laughs> and so then I went to entrepreneurs. So there, you know, there's three changes already. And then a few years ago, I changed from entrepreneur. I mean, I still coach entrepreneurs, but my coaching program changed because I realized I didn't have, I wasn't coaching with all the tools I needed to coach with. Wow. Yeah. And so I had to do, um, a self-analysis on my coaching. And, and I realized that I didn't have the tools for my clients to, to conquer procrastination and self-sabotage and laziness. And I mean, you, you name it, it, all these internal struggles that we all, all deal with. And um, I was open to accepting and, and learning a different modality. And that really changed how I coach and, and uh, really, really just how I coach. And it opened it up to people beyond entrepreneurs. So my, my niche has, has widened quite a bit. Yeah. Even though I will niche within a niche, I still, um, like three years ago, I would not have coached a, a school teacher, but last year I coached school teachers. They needed it. They, they were, they were struggling. God, they were struggling. Yeah. You, you know, you're the third, I think you're the third coach that's mentioned working with school teachers. Um, and I don't know if your experience is similar to the others, but most of them are now free from teaching. <laughs> they all, they all quit. They all resigned early. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and that I have two feelings about that. I'm, I'm torn because I'm so excited for them because I understand the power of entrepreneurship and the opportunity to teach through entrepreneurship and impact world. And yet I'm heartbroken for our education system that that isn't rewarding the people that are the most valuable. Yeah. Um, and of course, I've, I've long been an advocate or, or made the statement that our education system was way overrated. Um, and my kids, teachers and stuff didn't appreciate that because I'd take my kids out of school for two weeks and take them to Africa rather than, because that was more important to me than, than you know, them learning English and, and some of the things they learn in school. And so, um, 
I set a bad precedent for my kids and I'll admit it. They both graduated from high school. Um, they've both dabbled in college, but, but both of them can self-educate <laughs> and, and both of them have a much bigger cultural view of the world than, than 95% of their classmates. Um, Good for you. Good so, for you. Well, and, our, our education system, bless its heart. I mean, it's, that that's a whole, I mean, that's why there's so many books written about it and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. But um, they teach us how to memorize information and regurgitate it back. And then we get to move on to the next class. You know, some teachers, and I, I, I know these teachers because I had some, the good teachers teach us how to think critically. They teach us how to learn no matter what we're learning. It's not just a regurgitation. And that's why, you know, your, your kids, your children, they are learners. They're not just regurgitators. They've learned how to learn. And so they can self-learn the rest of their lives. Yeah. And certainly this isn't a, a, a podcast about our education system. <laughs> but, no. but as far as entrepreneurs go, the, the ones that are willing to learn, the ones that are willing to step out of that paradigm and and step into a new paradigm of 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 self-learning, of um, personal growth and development as a as a lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, Self-awareness. Change changes everything. Um, Self-awareness. My brother-in-law has literally just become my client. And when he was in eighth grade. Oh, congratulations. That's not uh, easy. Yeah. No, it's fun, actually. When he, so in eighth grade, he's 10 years younger than my wife. Um, he got labeled as ADD. He got stuck on you know, the meds. And his family couldn't control him. And, and of course, he hated school and, and was, was terrible in school. But his teachers literally said he doesn't need to know. I said he doesn't know how to read and write. And they're like, oh, it's okay. And they just kept passing him from one grade level to the, to the next. And he was functionally illiterate. And now he owns an RC uh, RC store selling RC toys in uh, Arizona. And he did a million dollars in revenue last year. And not only did he read his first book since becoming my client two months ago, he's wow. he's read eight of them. Wow. <laughs> and so... It, once it turned on, once it real, he realized that that he could be a different person, and that there was something different out there for him in his relationships and for his business. He just he just lit up, and and he's reading he's reading all of these foundational books, um, and right now he's reading Atomic Habits by James Clear, and oh. and and I think he's also reading um, a, a relationship book on. Uh, Oh, I'm not going to remember the name. Uh, Les, Les and Lindsay Perry, I think, are the authors. Or I'm Les and Lindsay Perry. Yeah. They're, uh, it's a Christian couple that uh-huh. you know, writes about marital relationships. And okay. so he's he's just recognized that he was going through the motions, trying not to be just like his dad and turning out just like his dad. Uh-huh. And that was his wake-up call. And I'm so proud of him. Just that that desire for personal growth and to be a lifelong, a lifelong learner, even if you get it in your forties or fifties, yeah. it's still no so valuable uh-huh. <laughs> to he's see a, that light bulb. He's become come a sponge. 
He's just like a sponge now soaking up all the good stuff. Where's this been all my life? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's it's kind of scaring everybody around him because he's, <laughs> he's, he's got relationships and friendships. They're like, who are you? <laughs> but it's, well, it's changed his life. Happens. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what can happen is, is you can change your life and you can take control of it and love to see teachers taking control of it. And, and they'll still have the opportunity to be teachers because I think entrepreneurship is the way to save the world. Entrepreneurs mm -hmm. are going to be the ones that make the biggest difference and have the biggest impact. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited for, for people like you that are coaching teachers and helping them, you know, find a different niche and find a way to support their family and yet still be able to, to add value and be teaching the world in a way that the world wants to listen. Well, and, and, and they regained their passion. I mean, they started teaching because they were passionate about it. And then, of course, you know, we won't go into it. The system just kind of took over and uh, the passion went away. And when they became realigned with themselves and realigned with what they really want, the passion came back. Oh, and, that's so good. Yeah, it's it's wonderful to watch when somebody goes, oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. This is what I want. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So so what do you love to do in your free time? Uh, cooking is my hobby. Oh, There was fun. a reason, reason I had a catering business, and I like to make up recipes. My favorite thing in the world, Robert, is to go into somebody's kitchen or my kitchen and I can't go to the store. I have to use whatever's there and, and make up something, you know, create something. I used to uh, enter a recipe contest and uh, I don't do it anymore, but I used to. So that's, that's a, that's therapy for me. That sounds um, so fun. So, so what's your favorite meal? Oh, to so cook uh, or eat. It's probably going to be something around Seafood and Italian, Italian seafood, because those are my two favorites. Uh, okay. Italian seafood. Yeah, I'm Italian, so uh, I come by that naturally. And then I like to read. I like to hike. I like to walk, go for walks. I used to be a mountain biker, but then I had a hip replacement, so that took care of that. <laughs> um, I still miss mountain biking, though. I, I loved mountain biking. Um, I think that's about it. I do nice. like to travel. I love to travel. All right. So where's the next place you want to visit once uh, once visiting is more encouraged? I'm planning a trip to Italy in April with my friend Colleen. Yeah, we're we're going to go uh, to we're going to fly into Florence and then we're going to either go through Bologna and then end up in Milan. But we're going to spend 10, 12 days in between Florence and Milan and around Milan. Oh, so fun. Yeah, yeah that'll be terrific. Yeah. So. So what Where, inspires? What? Well, let me ask you. What do y'all have any trips? Uh, well, so so locally, we we were supposed to go to uh, Darlington, South Carolina, for a NASCAR race Labor Day weekend, which is in two days. Um, obviously, my wife's situation isn't going to allow that. Um, but everything we were we had purchased, we were able to transfer to a trip at the end of October to uh, Martinsville, Virginia. So it's different racetrack. It's nine races later uh, but uh, it'll be our second nascar race this year so we try to go to two nascar races every year and then uh, internationally we were supposed to go to ireland last april yeah. and that hasn't happened yet yeah. so hoping to get ireland um, back on the schedule 
and then her and I still have this dream to get to Alaska and see the Northern Lights. And oh. so whether we do that in Alaska or Greenland, we're, we're still debating. Oh, yeah, I do want to. Uh, I've seen the Northern Lights one. It was from a plane. And boy, oh. magical, just magical. Yeah, yeah but I do want to go to Alaska. <laughs> yeah. When it's when it's not frozen yet. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just to make that clear. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's this, um, it's called the, what's it called? It's called the Rocky Mountaineer. And it's a train and it's for like 20 or 25 years, it's been in the top 10 most beautiful uh, rides. I can't say drive because you're in a train in the world. And it starts in Vancouver and it ends in Calgary or it starts in Calgary and ends in Vancouver. And uh, when you, go first class on the train. It's a 360 glass view of the Canadian Rockies. And that's one I want to do because it'll go through Banff. And the thing that's so great about this, Robert, is you get on the train, you travel all day, you see all this phenomenal scenery, and then you get off in the evening and you eat and stay in a hotel and you don't sleep on the train. <laughs> wow. I All right. We're, we're in because my wife loves train rides. Um, I took her to New England last November, and we uh, we did a train dinner train ride in, in Connecticut. Literally, it was a little 45-minute train ride with dinner, and she just loved that. And so we love going to Durango and riding the Silverton. Yeah. The Silverton's yeah, yeah, one of our too. favorites. So yeah. you, you've just added to the bucket list, so that's fantastic. <laughs> Rocky Mountaineer, yeah. Yeah, we're definitely going to look that up. So what's what's Donna's big dream? Well, my, I discovered my purpose about a year and a half ago. Um, and honestly, before then, I didn't have a purpose. Wow. Um, but my purpose in life is to be a leader in changing all the laws and the fines and the punishments around animal abuse and neglect. Wow. Yeah. So I've started working with an organization in Washington, D.C. called the Animal Defense League. And that, that's what they do. They uh, tackle all the laws. And there was just one that was, uh, I think it was, was it Illinois? It just happened yesterday. They passed a law where the pet store owners cannot purchase any animals from any puppy mill or kitten mill. They had to purchase from shelters and rescue groups. Wow, that's, that's huge. fantastic. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic that that you've discovered a, a purpose um, alongside alongside your business, and obviously it's requiring me to do my purpose. Absolutely. Well, that's that's how it should work, right? If you're if you have a big enough why, a big enough reason, motivation, driver pulling you along, then that uh, that's that's fantastic. So I assume the idea is to increase increase the punishment for animal abuse and. And, and make it harder for people to do those kinds of things yeah. to animals. Yeah. So. Yep. That's part of it. Make sure you send me the link. We'll, we'll include the link to animal defense league. Um, oh, okay. Below the video and, and stuff, because that's, that's terrific. And I know a lot of other folks will identify um, with that. Um, my neighbors were all concerned yesterday because I was out front of my house and washing my dog and, and he does not like being washed and he cries. He cries like a baby being strangled. <laughs> so, so, 
goes, what are you doing to your dog? So my, neighbor, my neighbors are all coming out thinking there's a dog stuck in a picket on a fence or something because he's crying. But he had a fight with a skunk the night before. And so oh, he I had no choice. Facebook. Yes. <laughs> Silly dog. You have no choice but to get a bath, buddy. This is your this is your fault. Did the bath help? <laughs> yes, ma'am, it did. Okay, good. Um, did you get a special something to put on him? To so they, yeah, they have a, a mix of hydrogen peroxide, baking soda, and then a little bit of Dove or uh, Dawn dishwashing soap. Oh, and, really? And works, yeah, worked really good. Um, and so I think there's still. So that's the other problem is, since I had COVID, I I can't smell it, so I I couldn't smell it. <laughs> Everybody else is telling me your dog that's stinks. I'm like, is it the dog or is it me? I'm not sure. So, yeah, that that's that's fun. And we adopted him before this. In the midst of all this, he's he's an adopted dog. We were fostering him because they, he was going to get put down at the beginning of COVID when they closed all the shelters. And my kids were living at uh, at home at the time, and my grandson was living here. And everybody's like, "Oh, we got to keep him and have a dog." And and of course, now we've had him for a year, and they all moved out. <laughs> So you know, you know what we call that, Robert. We call it a failed foster. Yes, yes, yeah. I know. I I yeah. definitely foster failed, <laughs> but he's actually a terrific dog. And and even though we spent a year, a year plus with him, twenty four hours a day, almost you know, in the house almost all the time, he's very well kennel trained. In fact, we no longer put him in the kennel. He goes in there by himself when we leave. Wow, <laughs> and he? he's about four. Okay. He still acts like a total baby in half the time. He's a husky, so he's a mess. Oh, I love huskies. Yeah, he's fun. Um, but he, he really is a good dog. And when I was spending 12 hours a day at the hospital, he handled it just fine. And wow. I literally walked the dog in the morning, left for the hospital, came back, walked the dog again, and went to bed and did that cycle for 13 days. <laughs> and he just rolled with it. He did. He didn't, he didn't eat a shoe. He didn't tear anything up. He didn't. He didn't make a mess in the house, and and he just was happy to see me every time I What's come home. What's his name? Uh, Smokey. Smokey. Yeah. If you're interested, check out my Facebook page. There's always pictures of Smokey on there somewhere. Okay. Yeah. The last picture was him him with the picture of the skunk and the picket of the fence. So. <laughs> I actually saw that one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, what was the biggest challenge in being an entrepreneur, and how did you push through it? The biggest challenge. Um, Oh God, there's so many challenges. Um, I actually think the biggest one was figuring out effective action steps to take every day versus just staying busy. Ooh. I think that was the one because I'm still working on that. I'm still finding myself going, you don't, you don't need to do this, Donna. This is, you can do this at night. You can do this anytime. You're just filling up time and, and learning how to recognize what is actually effective in getting me to my goal and what is just spinning, spinning the wheels and getting the, you know, just making time pass. That's, that's why I, I know that it's so important to have a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal because that's what pushes us. You know, that's what changes us. And that's what, when you, when you have this BHAG, this big, hairy, audacious goal, you want to find out how to get there. You want to find out what I've got to do to get there. And that's, 
discovering those effective action steps. Absolutely. I, I try to help my clients understand you need an outcome goal. You need that big, hairy, audacious goal. Um, but then our job is to really figure out what are the process goals to get there yeah. and, and narrowing down those process goals. Um, sometimes we call them revenue generating behaviors. Focus yeah. on the things that are going to generate the result that you want. Um, and it, it can be a challenge. It's harder to break those down and, and figure is. out, you know, and then hold yourself accountable to them. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> be honest and hold yourself accountable. You know, holding ourselves accountable, that is a lifelong process. That's why we need coaches. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a third of coaching is just the accountability part. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's why it's so valuable just to have another voice that, that can encourage you and support you, but also can say, wait a minute. Yeah. Hey, let's back up here. Let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. Ab absolutely. Yeah. Donna, this has been so fun. Thank you so much. Um, just the last thing I ask everybody, um, so if you're sitting across the table from an, a young entrepreneur, what, what would Donna's words of wisdom be? Know to the bottom of your toenails that you cannot do this by yourself. Hmm. Now, whether that takes a mentor, whether it takes a coach, whether it takes an accountability partner, maybe it takes all three. We cannot do this by ourselves. No one can. If people knew how many coaches Tony Robbins has had in his lifetime to get where he wanted to get, they would be shocked. If people knew how many coaches and mentor that Zig Ziglar had, these people just didn't get there on their own. They didn't become great leaders on their own. It, it, we can't do this by ourselves. That's, That's what I would say. That's terrific. Donna, thank you so much for taking the time today. I sure appreciate it. What fun this conversation was. And I just look forward to, to seeing you defending animals full time because, because you've been blessed through, through your business. Yep. That's my Sparks Foundation. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate this. This has been a great opportunity. And it's just, it's, I mean, Two days in a row now, we've had these fabulous conversations, so I hope we continue. Absolutely. Well, if you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe. We have a free gift for you at addvalue2entrepreneurs.com. We've created a collection of the top tips that have been shared on our show for entrepreneurs. Do you struggle with procrastination, putting off the work until the last minute? Well, you are not alone. Many of our clients start there. We are launching a new five-day challenge to help you take more action and make more money in your business. Each day is a 10-minute video lesson and a worksheet. If you take 15 to 30 minutes to do the worksheet, it will change your life and business and exponentially increase the amount of work you get done each day. Right now, it is only $27 and contains five of our best tools for helping you move forward. It can be found at addvalue2life.com action. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day.